So Janice, I, I have to say this, Janice Brunson, welcome to the, Thank the podcast. You. Thank you for having uh, me. My pleasure. And I was I was going to tell you this beforehand. I have trouble spelling your name. Every time Everyone. I try to type. Okay, it's not Everyone. just me. No, it's not. I mean, I can spell it for you and you're going to write a J and you're going to forget the E after the well, I. I want to put the E in front of the I. I know it's no. I before E except no. after C. Just think Janephew. Yeah. Oh, ne- yeah, niece and nephew. Yeah, that's what niece I was and telling nephew. Myself. I can know how to spell niece. Yeah. So if as long as I put G N in front of niece, I can get it you right. Got it. Okay. You got it. I but ninety percent of the wrong since I've tried or times since I've tried to type it, I've got it wrong. So Janice Brunson, welcome to the podcast. Um, was going to ask you how was your commute in? Well, I hope it wasn't too bad. It was not from South Lake, beautiful yes. South Lake. We were talking about that before. Yeah, it but, was not bad. It's long enough to have a client call or yeah. listen to a podcast. Listen to a podcast. I love, love listening to podcasts. So outside of my mm. podcast, clearly. The, well, yours is first. Top. Yeah, but after my podcast, what do you listen to? I listen to, well, late. So I have listened to podcasts in the last year on high chairs and baby led weaning <laughs> and all things baby because, yeah. you know. Um, but I really do love cryptocurrency podcast. Are you a, are you a big oh, crypto yeah. person? Oh, okay. Yeah. Crypto. And then I've kind of gotten on this one. Um, it's called the Nomad Capitalist. Okay. And so I'm listening through his and I got the book. I what's cool about what's the what's the shtick there? Um, okay. So he teaches you how to get a second citizenship or a second passport. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, mainly to hide all the assets. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking about as well. Is there a particular country that I should focus on? Well, I mean, I think we like Mexico. Okay. Just because you can get there by land. We're pretty close. Yep. Pretty close yep. to Mexico. Um, I don't speak Spanish, which okay. is a problem. Yeah. But my husband is learning. He's a very dedicated student. Oh, you student. guys have already got this in motion. Like, it's going to well, happen. Well, so the second passport <laughs> is all me. Yeah. But the Spanish thing is a hobby for him. So it just works out. Like, that's, that's cool. why we're the perfect couple. Because, it sounds like. You know? It's out. Well, I like the way that you guys are kind of scheming together yeah. here. I've, I've heard about the, um, there's some tax incentives in Puerto Rico. I don't know if you're aware of yes, this. Like there there's are. some ways that you can, I'd say t- take advantage, but mm-hmm. there's rules in place that could minimize some taxation on, you know, some cash and, you know, business sales and stuff like that. Yes. But it's fascinating to me. And it's like, you don't really think about that, but this whole world of crypto has opened up for me it's and crazy. I started paying attention. So is there like a particular currency that you like? That you're well, I mean, it's, on, if it's you will, the or? entire ecosystem. Okay. It's not exactly. I'll, of course, we we have Bitcoin. Of course, um, we have Ethereum, which are the two big ones. Yeah. Um, we're we have Polkadot. I okay. don't know if you're familiar with Polkadot. I am familiar with Polkadot. So yeah. we were early early adopters of Pol- of Polkadot. Okay. So that's been a fun ride, um, and then we have some other ones just kind of spread out. Those are our main our main investments. Oh, I love it. And it's exciting. So we have a really good friend. This is all he does. Oh, really? Yes. Like day trades it or something? Yes. And he has been extremely successful. And so I can't take credit for my success in any kind of cryptocurrency because he's the brains. But um, he's teaching us about NFTs. Um, He has a crypto punk and, you know. This is like, you know, I can't believe like some of the things we talk, the language, right? An Mm -hmm. NFT and crypto punk. I know what you're talking about, but these have come in on my radar maybe the last six months or a year. And Gary Vee's always talking about NFTs and Mm -hmm. he's like yelling at me like I should buy them and I don't even know what they are. So go uh, to OpenSea and download download that app and you can see all all kinds of NFTs. (sighs) And it's hard to wrap your head around the concept of owning that because it's not an actual um, tangible piece of art that yeah. you can sell, but it but it really is. And and the value is driven by the supply and demand. And they're building these really cool ecosystems around all of the uh, like you you can create a group of NFTs. Well, then they'll create 
virtual experiences that okay. only the owners of those NFTs can join. I mean, it's just a whole crazy I thing. I mean, it's like, it gets, so this is a similar conversation. I, I won't out this person, but I, I had a colleague a few years ago that was real into Bitcoin early on, mm-hmm. probably five or six years ago. And he was talking to me about it. And he's like, you got to buy some Bitcoin. I'm like, what are you, it's like $2,000. I'm not going to buy Bitcoin. He's like, no, you should buy Bitcoin. Trust me. Well, that back then at two, 2000 about $2,500 mm-hmm. per coin, I'm thinking that's just, nobody's good. This isn't going to stick. Nobody's going to uh, buy this stuff. And he was right. Yeah. And this person has managed to take some time off from work and not need to work because he was all in on it very early on. And now you're looking at it going, man, I can't believe I didn't just trust him. He knew what he was talking about it, but it was so foreign to me at the time. And I couldn't wrap my head around how it works and the concept Mm -hmm. of it. That is like, I'm not going to leverage this type of money just to take a, a risk like that. (sighs) <sighs> kicking myself. Hey, now. I, hey, you know yeah. what I think? You're, we're in the first five to eight percent growth. Okay, that's where we are. You still think we're early? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think with Polkadot, I don't know. I can't. I don't know currently how many projects are open, but hundreds are open. Parachains, okay. mm-hmm. and so um, that will only increase in value. And fiat currency, what's going to happen to that? I don't know, but um, that might help. Well, push. if we keep, they keep pumping money into the system and devaluing the dollar, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Get, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm with you there. And God, Lee, I want to abandon all the let's let's just close the laptop. <laughs> but um, I didn't realize you were big into crypto. These these are the fun things that you learn when you sit down with mm-hmm. somebody and actually get a chance to talk mm-hmm. to them. You know, long form. So um, I definitely want to talk some more crypto okay. maybe after after the conversation. But Janice Brunson, obviously, we're going to talk uh, the consulting side uh, okay. today, and I would love to pick your brain because you've. Spent your entire career, it looks like, in the consulting mm-hmm. world. Before we do that, I want to find out some other fun stuff about you, family, career, education. Could you give me some of your backstory and tell me who you are? Okay. So I am a girl from Tennessee Okay. that has worked on her accent. People don't ask me where I'm from anymore. Okay. Um, so I've majorly improved my eyes. I don't say Sprite. 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 Uh, is that, so you, so you, can you still bring it out, though, if you need to? Oh, so if I go just... home, mm, okay, yeah, the, yeah. the week after I get back is pretty bad. <laughs> but I'm a Tennessee girl, um, went to, to college in Tennessee, um, married my husband, who's from South Carolina, okay. and he moved to Tennessee when we got married. We did long-distance relationship our entire, um, well, really, our entire courtship and engagement and it wasn't until we got married that we lived in the same state. So, oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. How many years so, was that of the courtship? Well, so I met him when I was 14, and he was 13, which he takes major pride in the <laughs> fact that I'm older. Oh, yeah. Especially when I, you know, I've got the 40 coming up, and he's still going to be in his 30s. Yeah. So, um, so we met at music school in Nashville. Okay. I came home, and I told my best friend, I said, I found the guy I'm going to marry. When you were 13? When I was 14. Or 14. Yeah, 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 yeah. And That's so awesome. um, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but it all worked out. So, um, I think, I think the Lord orchestrated that for us and he is my very best friend. I love every single thing about him and he's so good to me. He's such a good dad. That's awesome. And so, um, we ended up getting married and through a series of events, he was a studio singer in Nashville on the side. He, what is that? I don't know. What um, that so a studio singer, st- sorry, studio singer okay. sorry. Uh, yes. So he was, a, he's a music pastor at my church, my home church. So I'd okay. only ever been in this one church my entire life. My parents were married there. My grandparents were. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he ended up getting the music pastor position. He did some studio work in Nashville. And then that's how we ended up in Fort Worth. He was offered a job through some of his studio work. And I said, you know what? I can do over. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time I was at, um, BBNT, which is McGriff. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 
so I, I worked there for almost six years before we moved to Texas. So you moved to Fort Worth. I mean, that's a of a place moving from Tennessee to Texas. Fort mm -hmm. Worth probably had a pretty similar vibe of what you were accustomed to, right? Or, or Fort Worth. Fort Worth, yes. for sure, yeah. Yeah, Fort Worth did. I love Fort Worth. I'm a, I'm a Fort Worth girl. I, it's so. so funny. Like, people from out of state don't realize there's a dramatic difference in a Dallas mm -hmm. or a Fort Worth person, the vibe, mm -hmm. culturally. It is, a, is you go to Fort Worth and it's a totally different experience, even though they're 30 minutes apart from yeah. each other. So was it the stockyards? Was it the cowboy boots and hats? Or I mean, yeah. what, what did you get in? Like it, it, it is, it's all of that. Okay. It's just the culture, the Fort Worth culture. It's, it is this, it is very Nashville. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, Austin is pretty Nashville, but you know the cool hip vibe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Than, yeah for sure but yeah. I, I could appreciate that that would that transition wouldn't been mm -hmm. in too much of a culture shock having grown up and was it a small a town in tennessee uh, so we were a college town college tennessee town. tennessee tech university what, which is where i went what town was that at cookville, cookville. so okay. it's it's halfway between nashville and knoxville on interstate 40. okay um so uh, uh 60 000 people maybe it's not huge but it's still a fun, lots of good stuff going on because of the college and oh, yeah. good businesses there. Uh, always fun stuff to do. So very cool town. Well, and so you, you guys both have uh, uh, interest in vocals or singing, I guess you could say. But tell me what a, you said. You mentioned your husband was a studio singer. So is that a person that hired professionally to do like backup vocals? Yes. Or Okay. Yep, exactly. And it was it a country music, a gospel? Oh, no. Like, he, well, so... He's done different types of projects, but most of them would be in the gospel realm. Okay. Christian, gospel. And you just, is that one of those things where you just get hired on at a studio rate per mm -hmm. day or per mm -hmm. hour or something exactly. like that? Very cool. Very yep. cool. Where did you, did you also just grow up with an interest in singing as well? Like how did, where did that come from? So my family um, in my church growing up, my mom played the piano. My dad played the bass. My aunt led the choir. My uncle led, was the music leader, you yeah. know, in the so whole no church. I had no choice. Yeah, yeah. And then they also traveled. We had a, we had a little family group and different churches would have us on Sunday nights and all the grandkids would sing which I was one of the grandkids and then my parents and my grandparents would they were the the singers but um so I really did I didn't I didn't have a choice uh, in the mat in the in the matter but I did I was also part of um a kids choir at at the college in my okay. in my town and so um which was all classical music so I was classically trained and um it's just been a big part of my life I'm not a great vocalist I can I can sing okay okay are you being My humble? husband you being is humble? really, really, really good. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm really <laughs> like, no, <laughs> like what, if you what? can run me through Melodon or something after I get done and fix the pitch a okay. little bit, okay. then, then I'm okay. <laughs> I know. I listen to all this stuff is literally over my head. I think aspirationally speaking, like I think if any dream job in the world would be like the lead singer of like a rock band. There or something. you go. I mean, that, but cannot sing a list. I have no training. <laughs> I tried to do it like one semester in college and it was just so out of my element. I was so nervous trying to do it. It just, it wasn't for me, even though like I'm the shower singer. I'm the guy that likes to sing in the shower. In the car. Yeah. And like I sound, your vocals are I good sound there. great in the shower, yes, by the way. Yes, for yeah, yeah. sure. Well, so tell me, you know, like you, you didn't, you didn't study this though at, in college. I so Tennessee not. technically, you said you did uh, chemistry? I did chemistry. Okay. Yep. So at, the, what, at the TTU. What the is that? The like Tennessee Tech chemistry. What, do you, what would that ultimately, did you think so, that was going to lead to? Well, so growing up, my dad owned grocery stores and he threw me in the grocery stores at age 12. So I was, I was a, I was an employee on payroll at, at the age of 12 and I had, I had my paycheck. I had, they gave me a hundred dollars a month. And if I did my chores, $20 a week. Okay. And I had to money manage all of it. Like I had to buy everything mm -hmm. from sixth grade on. 
And so um, working in the store was really great. I, I mean, I was afforded good opportunities as a child. Um, but we were, we were, this is so off subject, but we I were, no, we please. were robbed at gun. I was robbed at gunpoint in high school Holy at the grocery cow. store. So I thought, you know what? I don't think this is for me. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So it's, was that, was that like at a town of 60,000, was it, yeah. a, was crime a problem? Well, or? so this was, they, they actually dubbed this guy, the rush hour bandit. Cause he was, he was robbing stuff at like five thirty, six o'clock in the evening when traffic was bad. Okay. They called him the rush hour cause it was rush hour. Ah, and so we knew he was out there, and people would ask me, "Are you scared?" And I'm like, "No." Mm-hmm. He comes in here. I'm gonna say, "Get out of here! You're not taking you're not taking my dad's money." Yeah, yeah, yeah that's not what happened. No, that's not. I'm what like, happened. you want do you you want the do you want the the checks? Yeah. What do you want? You want How much pennies? do you want? Yeah. Like, what are we after? More over here. I'll go get anything you need. <laughs> so then I started working in a pharmacy, which has a higher likelihood of being robbed. Right. Were you at least behind the glass in the pharmacy, though? Did they have, like, no, they didn't okay. back in the day. So this was a mom-and-pop pharmacy. Okay. And I started, um, actually started shadowing initially, and the pharmacist offered me a position. Um, and so I loved medicine. I just loved everything about it. And I thought, I'm going to go to medical school. I started shadowing the neurosurgeon in town. Um, and so from there, I just, I, 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 you couldn't stump me on a medicine. I've forgotten them all now, but mm-hmm. I knew all the brand, generic. I just loved everything about pharmacy. I taught pharmacology at a, at a college level. Really? Mm-hmm. And so um, f- so from that, I got into pharmacy school, didn't go, and thought, well, I, I'll be a drug rep, but I need sales experience. Yeah. Well, here we are. Here's my sales experience. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it. Like, I, I, you know, sometimes when I don't know the person all that well background, I go to LinkedIn and go, all right, what can I glean from here? And yeah. it's like, employee benefits the whole yeah, like the whole forever like i know what your area of expertise yeah. is um so i that, that kind of leads me into segue into the next question um how do you get into benefits though so you said you were looking for a drug rep job didn't didn't happen so did ultimately you well i didn't no or? i didn't really look because i thought i needed sales experience so okay. i'm fresh out of high school and co- going into college I yeah. and i and i think well I'll, I'll need sales experience so my friend said well you, you know you should work for aflac I have a good friend that is the regional sales director. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> I, I stroll into the, our hospital and I, I start talking to the HR department. They saw me for some reason. And they just said, well, you need to talk to our broker. I'm like, what the heck's a broker? And yeah. why do I need to talk to them? Like, I usually just work directly. <laughs> yeah. With I had no idea what a broker was. So I got in the car, drove over to BB&T, McGriff, okay. and just said, hey, I'm, I'm here to put Aflac in the hospital. <laughs> Why do I need you guys? <laughs> <laughs> and so from there, they offered me an account management position. I said, well, is that sales? Because I'm looking for sales experience because yeah. I want to be a drug rep. And they're like, no. So three weeks later, they called me and said, we have a sales position. Would you like to come talk to us? And they paid my cell phone bill. Right. I'm that's, just fresh out of college. Know, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big perk, right? That's a big perk. <laughs> so I took the job and I sat down on my first day and I was like, okay, what the heck's a deductible? And well, I just started working hard. Well, that's fun. I mean, that's I love that story because it's like you just, I, I talk to so many people that just fall into it, stumble into mm-hmm. it, something opens up and they that's go like, happened right, to me. I'll try this. And the next thing you know, 20 years later, that's what they've been doing their mm-hmm. whole careers. Life tends to, to work like that, you it know? Does. So did you... Once you got in, were you going, oh, this stinks? Or did you actually no, have interest in it? Was okay. an, it was an adventure. It was great. I still had the pharmacy component in a very different way. Yeah. You know, so I, I I don't know. I just, it was all, it was so many moving parts that I just, I love to learn it. And um, 
it, I was, I did it myself. I was the only benefits producer. Uh, at the time, there were some PNC guys that did some benefits, but I really just had to pull my sleeves up and, and learn the business. And this was and a BB&T, right? A BB&T and in they, Tennessee. Were they bank? Is BB&T a bank? It is. Okay. So, yeah. so how do, you know, I, I've talked to some folks sometimes that are insurance within the framework of a bank. I realize that might, I, the different challenges, different mm-hmm. opportunities. You know, I don't know that space very well, though, the insurance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, arm of a bank. So tell me what it's like within that framework. I'm curious. So our our agency was was acquired by BB&T, so we didn't have a bank on site. Okay. And in fact, our closest banks were Nashville and Knoxville. Okay. And so I didn't really integrate with the bank um, at BB&T, but when I moved to Fort Worth, I thought, well, maybe I should just work for a bank on the insurance side because that's, I mean, that's what I know. Mm-hmm. So when I moved here, I did get more involved with the bankers because it was here in Fort Worth. It was Frost. Frost, yeah. Yeah. And so um, there are locations all over the place. Great bankers, really nice, really nice guys over there. And so I, we, I did go to their weekly meetings and it was very different than, than BB&T just because I had a branch accessible. Well, we said in Frost, uh, you know, we, my family is banked with Frost oh, for with Frost. 30 years. Yeah. I, I still have a Frost bank account, as a matter of fact. And Me too. I know the folks, you know, the Frost um, folks here, but I always thought it was kind of interesting because that's when you're a sales rep, you know, calling on agencies, like mm-hmm. you don't typically think of the banks at, at first, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a significant overlap in kind of clientele. Obviously, it's a... Pro- a f- professional industry it's sure. finance heavy so it makes a lot of sense it's cross-selling it's cross-selling yeah. Yeah, yeah but there's obviously different regulations and restrictions i mean we go through some contracting with banks sometimes and the the due diligence and security measures you have to go through to, to there's be some validated. red tape it's a lot of red tape mm-hmm. yeah yeah but we we also feel like oh wow we passed that one so we're we're probably in a pretty good spot if the bank is uh you that's know, true okay they are more inside. conservative yeah and so if you can get through the red tape then you're then it's you're good to go. Yeah, I think once you get that stamp of approval, mm-hmm. you know you, you're good. So you you start in account management, but you said you only spent three weeks in account. No, 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 no I didn't take the job. You didn't even take the job. No, so I needed you, sales experience. You, so you right away you went and you got the opportunity to sell. So correct. What, and I ended up being the broker for the hospital. All of did it. You really? Is oh, that wow. crazy? That's pretty. It's yeah. Meant to be. I meant guess. to be. What does sales look like though at that time frame? Because I didn't start selling until my 30s, and you know all, everything was obviously at that point we could do virtual, and you know, but are you? Cold calling a lot? Are you physically yes. showing up a lot? Like, tell me your process. So I, I, I did inherit a book of business. There was a ben, there was a benefits guy there before, and he focused on worksite. And so I, I, I inherited his worksite book along with a couple of, of medical and ancillary um, accounts that he had. And then I rounded all of those out. And then just relationships. I mean, you're still in a small town at 60,000. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I walked in um, to BB&T, they, they knew my parents because that's who my dad used for his business insurance. <laughs> so it's a small, it is a small, small world. And it's funny how everything connects and works um, for good. And so um, I did cold call too, because I think we have to. Yeah. And then I think once you earn trust from your current clients, they'll tell their friends. Sure who are business owners or CFOs, you know, you should really talk to Janice. She understands how to pull these plans apart and see where the the problem lies. So that helped me a lot as well. And you have to ask sometimes, just say, hey, do you have anyone (laughs) Do you mind uh, maybe putting in a good word? But was it it difficult when you completely uh, uproot life and move to a different state? I mean, do you you start over? You start over. I mean, I had some clients that I still have to this day that I've had for almost 15, over 15 years now. Yeah. So I have some, some that have stayed with me and then 
but for the most part, I think I had took. I think I had took. I didn't take. They came. They came. Um, maybe three of my larger clients, um, and so it was. It was. It was a good move. It was starting over, but I was young, still mm-hmm. in my twenties. Okay. I can do anything over. I mean, when you're that age, yeah. and when your husband gets the opportunity he gets, then it's like, we got this. Now, so, is he you say, is he in the business as he well? Is, he's he, he's a music pastor. A music pastor at, in right. Fort Worth. At Fort Worth, yeah. okay. at, a, at your church, your mm-hmm. current church, correct? Yep. So. And we have about we have about a hundred in our choir, and we do huge Christmas concert. I think I told you we're doing Christmas music yeah. now for months. Oh, yeah. We've been doing Christmas, and we hire in the Dallas and Fort Worth symphony players, and it's just so much fun. It's well, the most we, wonderful time can of I ask the you year because like you're the first person I sat down with that has choir experience as a choir director. So tell me what that means. I want to know exactly what your job is as a choir director. So, okay. So I would say a lot of our congregation, some of our congregation may think I'm on staff because I am on the platform every Sunday conducting the choir. Okay. But my husband's so good at his job. I literally just show up. I can show up on Sunday morning and stand in front of the choir and get them through a piece of music. That's my job. That's awesome. And to pull out of them what I need them to give the congregation, yeah, yeah. not me. I don't want to say me. So, I mean, it's just, I, 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 I can sight read well enough that I can just show up. Okay. And I, most Sundays I don't even know what we're singing until I get to band rehearsal. Well, see, that's the, that's the 10,000 hours, right? You put in the reps, you put in okay. the time. So yeah. So like you can kind of wing it at that it. point. Yeah. But so you, you were humble and saying you're not, you're an okay singer, but so What's that really mean in comparison to the best you're an okay singer? Or well, I mean, most people think you're a great singer. We have on our staff, on our staff at our church, our pianist was going to play for The Voice this year. Okay. I mean, they're, the the talent on our platform is insane just in Fort Worth, in Little Fort Worth. Um, we have our, our two worship leaders. Um, they sing all over the country. You, I know, I can promise you've heard them on as background vocals on some of your music okay. that's on your phone. Okay. They're legit. So I'm not really good. Okay. I well, mean, that's what my, my <laughs> wife always does this. Like she's, my wife loves to work out. We're both kind of a mm-hmm. fitness uh, family and she's very dedicated and she's always in great shape. Always. Mm-hmm. Even after baby, she's in great shape. But then, you know, you start to compare yourself against like all of these girls on Instagram mm-hmm. or, you know, like you, you look at the most elite of anything and you compare yourself relevant to them and you're like, oh, well, I don't feel like I add up. But it's like. No, that's just, you're looking at such an extreme that like, okay, nobody would add up. And so I always wonder if you're just being maybe humble in that. Probably you sing better than 98% of the, the population. I don't know. 99%. No. We'll say. <laughs> Wait, so, so like you get to do that. That is obviously a passion, a, mm-hmm. a hobby. It doesn't sound like it takes a ton of additional time away mm-hmm. from, from work. And so I imagine, is this something you foresee you'll do for the, the remainder of your life? As uh, long as I have the opportunity. Yeah, it really is an honor. So and is your 13-year-old daughter, is she showing a propensity oh, she's, to sing? Or? She's incredible. She okay. plays the guitar. She plays the piano. She's an incredible vocalist. We'll play something in the car, and she's doing riffs. And I'm like, wait, that was better That was better than what was on the <laughs> – <That's, laughs> So what, she is showing promise. Did you encourage her, and you and her husband, or did she just kind of go, she, you know what, my family does this, so I'm going to pick it we up? We do make her do piano. Okay. But outside of that, she just kind of does her own thing. That's awesome. Well, I get, I've, I had a post this morning about uh, being a soccer coach. Like I just started coaching U5 soccer and didn't know I was going to like it, but I realized having not played the game in 10 years and how much of my life I spent doing it, that it's kind of a palpable passion. I think when I get out there and coach, I'm having fun. And so, you know, her and her little teammates, she's got like seven teammates. And so I hope that 
I'm conveying the same level of passion and interest into something that I loved. And so I'm sure at home, you guys, it was pretty easy for your daughter to watch mom and dad and go, oh, I want to do that too. That oh, yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just part of it. It's part of who we are. Do you think singing though is in your DNA? I mean, do you have to like, mm. obviously there's training, but do you think some people are just born being I do think sing? 100%. Okay. Yeah. People are born with a gift. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I was born with a gift. Mine was more training probably. Okay. Um, and what I tell my daughter is because I quit training myself at a young age, cheerleading became important. Working three jobs became important. Going to school full time. Mm -hmm. All of those things superseded what I, what I needed to be doing in music. And so I think those are formidable years that you have to train your instrument, you know, whether it be your voice sure. or piano, because you retain things, you, you, you build your vocals during that time. So I, like I, I can, I can like one example is had I stayed the course, I wouldn't have such a low falsetto break. Okay. I mean, I'm an alto by, by just in my DNA, but I didn't train my voice well as a child. So I do encourage her just do it now. And if you don't use it, then it doesn't really matter because you're watching Disney. Yeah. So get up and sing something. <laughs> I, I don't think you could ever find a reason why you wouldn't want to, if you could sing, like why mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to be a good singer, wouldn't you want to train that? Because I, mean, I think I, I, I'm always captivated. I don't, I'm not a big person into the, the voice or, mm -hmm. you know, those I'm, types of shows. I don't watch them either. But every once in a while, I'll catch a clip on YouTube and I'm like, oh my goodness, that person can sing. And it's like, there's something about watching a person sing, even acapella, where it's just them singing and then they can really sing that's just it's hard to describe, you know, like what it kind of does to you. And yeah. so, and you see those little kids that yeah. are five. Yeah. Okay. That's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah. Okay. They haven't had time to train. They've only been talking for three years. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they've got it in them. And I, I'm so jealous of that, yeah. you know, but, uh, I had to work really hard to get decent at soccer, but some kids, you know, you, you see even at four or five, there's a couple girls on the team that just physically they're a little bit, mm -hmm. they get it and they're faster. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can't teach that. They, yep. they're, they're starting at such a uh, head, uh, you know, a, a head start, I guess you will. But back on track, because I okay. know we, we're going to have to get back on track. But I, I want to talk about Epic. Obviously, okay. you you, you uh, transitioned over to Epic, you mm -hmm. said about nine months ago. We, mm -hmm. we skipped over some parts, but your entire career has been based around the, the benefit space and mm -hmm. consulting space. So tell me a bit about Epic. Uh, is Epic Brokers, is that the official? It is. Okay, Epic, Epic Brokers. Brokers and Consultants. We're okay. California-based company. Um, I, I've i never worked at a place quite like this. I think they've been very selective in who they've hired. Um, I think I told you this before, but I'm the youngest and the least tenured of everyone there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from a broker's perspective. Um, and I've been doing it for 16 years. So and you're the least tenured in the I whole am. company or within in Texas, okay, okay, within the okay. Texas brokers. I'm sure there's some outside of the state of Texas. Now, I will say I was the first one in, D in DFW to be hired on a, on the benefit side. OK, um, but I'm, I'm speaking from our Houston team, our, our Austin team um, and then, of course, our Dallas team. So they've hired. I mean, they're they're just so smart. The, the people they've hired and the approach is different. It's a, you know, I, I don't, I haven't gone to the powers that be and asked something for a client where I've gotten shut down. That's it's, good. it is, well, let's figure out how to do it. And I'm like, well, I can figure out how to do it if you'll just give me the permission. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a, that's an, um, a really good culture. And then we don't typically white label things. So, uh, if we have a if we have a system, it's because we've gone out and gotten it. Now some of the other firms will go out and get systems, but they'll white label and put their name on it like they own the system. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we have a whole team dedicated to finding the perfect system for clients. Okay. Not necessarily saying, here's our system. You yes. can, yes. you know, you still have to pay for it, but it, this is our system and we're providing it to you. We have an entire team that I can get a client on a call and we run through, what is it you're looking for in a bin admin system? Uh, even payroll. Like mm. I've never had a payroll consultant. <laughs> and so we have a payroll you consultant. You guys have an on staff, you have a yes. payroll consultant. Yes, pay, he's payroll, bin admin. He has a full blown team. He is so brilliant in that space. And so you get on a call with a client, he asks lots of questions about what is it you do? What are, you, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish from an open enrollment perspective? Mm -hmm. Who's your current payroll vendor? Because we want some, you know, we want it to be friendly with the bin admin. And so um, from there, we're able to say, this is your, this is, this is your best bet right here. That's cool. Let us make an introduction. There's nothing in it for us. Yeah, I, li I like the the kind of new neutral approach. We call mm -hmm. it kind of the Switzerland approach, how mm -hmm. we do it at Plansight. It's like, you tell us what vendors you want to work with. You tell us what carrier partners exactly. you prefer. You tell us what systems are already in place. We're not going to say mm -hmm. no. Um, but, you know, we might have gone down the path of certain systems just because those are brought to us first. But I think that that complete neutrality in the mm -hmm. process, uh, or the allows for objectivity, allows for yeah. really the best solution to come forth and the best carrier to come forth. And so we, we kind of have always um, consciously taken that same approach. I like the fact that you guys do that as well. Yeah. And what's most important for a client it, it, from your perspective or my perspective is what's best for them. Exactly. So I, I need all the tools. Like you I need, need I need yeah. access to everything so we can decide, they can decide, I can present, they can decide what's best for them. And the collaboration within our firm is incredible. I mean, we have, we have, I told you, we set up, we set up our own accountability partnership yeah. within just the producers. And so this is not something that was scheduled by management. And so we're able to, we set an hour aside every single week where we bring clients to the table or we bring an, a, you know, a new vendor to the table outside of what Epic provides. So Epic provides its own, we do, we call it vendor spotlight. Vendor and they okay, and cool. they provide that and it's a 30 minute call that they vetted the vendor they have a whole team that vets our vendors we get a 30 minute they give them 30 minutes to talk to us to teach us the platform and then from there we log it in the system and we can use i mean we can use whatever we want we can go back and reference it that's cool um and so that the time the vendor spotlight coupled with the accountability with the other brokers is is I don't, I don't think that's the norm in the industry. I think it's very competitive among brokers, so yeah. even within the four walls. And so here it's like, you know, let us, let, let us sit down. What, what do you, where are you working on? You know, well, have you thought of this? No, I haven't, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I love the collaboration. The yeah, greediness like isn't there. It is. It. Yeah. I love that. So I think they've done a good job. And it, I think what makes a good agency is the people first, mm -hmm. right? We can train you if you're willing and you have a good attitude and you want to have the same goal that we have, which is my goal always is to provide the perfect client experience, period. And so if you're, that's your goal, we have the right people coupled with the right process. And that's that's what we have to do. Well, that's, I think you, you kind of touched on it earlier, right? You being the least tenured at 16 years of it. <laughs> I mean, so that... I think that's a testament to the at least the approach that your firm, mm -hmm. you know, outside looking in, just hearing from you talk that identifying the best people mm -hmm. to hire, identifying really rock stars in their particular skill set, bringing those people under the epic mm -hmm. umbrella. What is the um, what does the approach look like from? I know there's a lot of aggregation in, our, in the the brokerage space right now. Is does Epic take an organic plus acquisition both. or both? Okay. Mm -hmm. In fact, we just acquired. It happened since I've been there. I think it may have happened the same month I started. We acquired PSG. 
which is the largest pharmacy consulting firm in okay. the nation. Oh, wow. We do crazy accounts on the pharmacy side. Crazy. When do you get crazy to, big. Do you get to bring out and dust All off your old uh, pharmacy hat? Your, well, your... you know, I, yes, I do. I've loved pharmacy for so many years. I do love having conversations with those guys and what they have done, they committed to, and they've really, pro it's proven to come to fruition is they will take time. I just brought them in on a 250 man group. We tore, they're self-funded. We tore their pharmacy program apart. Mm -hmm. We together, we together sat down, created a full list of recommendations and turned it over to the pharmacy, their current pharmacy, because, because it wasn't time to move them into, to any, in another plan, which we have through PSG. Okay. So we gave it to the incumbent and they are cleaning up the contract to protect the, the employer. So That's awesome. um, that was an, that was obviously inorganic. And then we've we've we have purchased other firms. I mean, we are. I think that's the name of the game. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is like I I feel like every time I talk to somebody, some firm that I was aware of, an independent firm, is now rolled up into mm -hmm. somebody else. You know, and uh, you know your common players, your NFPs, and mm -hmm. your hubs, and the, yep. those folks are. It's part of the game. I think it really is these days. It's like somebody does something really well and builds something that mm -hmm. stands on its own. Well, of course, the people with lots of money and the people that have been doing it a long time that have big scale, they want to be a part of that, right? And yeah. I think, you know, each individual owner has to kind of take into account what their goals are and what they're, if they want an exit, where they are in their life. But I understand why they start to, you know, that aggregation is happening. It's just, it's hard to keep track of it some is. days. Um, and people you like and people that you, you, you have you known for a while that have been within a certain agency all of a sudden are now there's a new name on the, the building or a new name on that the business me. card. That I was me. I went through that. So, you did, yeah. Which one was? Uh, so I went to MHBT, okay. which was local, a local regional great firm. And we were acquired by Marsh. And Ooh. I was there for all, over six years, okay. almost seven years. And that's where I came from. Well, so you've been over you've, to Epic. And then the, the Epic, right, recently. So you've been, you said about 16 years. Like, Tell me about the changes that you've oh, seen. Gosh. In, I mean, I know that's a loaded <laughs> question. Maybe I'll make it a little more specific, but. Changes in the space of self-funding. Obviously, the podcast is about self-funding. So tell me what you've seen over that, that what, decade and a half that's kind of shifted in this industry. Well, I would say, so early on, I didn't have a whole lot of self-funded accounts. I had I had, I had two, two decent-sized self-funded accounts early on. Um, I think prior to 2013, the pre-ACA, um, the laws weren't there that they are now. And I think that's been a huge change for us is to have, we have to constantly learn new things. And, you know, now we're, if, you know, if you're an ALE, you've got to have the minimum value and the actuarial value. And like all of that has just flipped our world upside down. Mm -hmm. um, I also think um, fr from a self-funded perspective, I do think, well, I know there's more leverage. I mean, you're allowed to make m your own rules you know, you can pull apart the plan. I do think there are there are problems, there are major problems in our industry. Really? <laughs> Where do we that, start with that? I mean, yeah, I can yeah, get yeah. really passionate on this subject. Yeah. Well, please. Sometimes I, I, please I do, do, and Brent's like, you know, I don't do this for a living. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'll talk to someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but I, I think no like, the, just about. the transparency and yeah. the way that, that the billing happens, and it's like, you're going to charge $300 for a, a, a nose cleaner, like so. The the all the fee no, for a, service and a nasal, this, a the nasal aspirator. aspirator. Let's yeah, let's get yeah. technical. Yeah, nasal yeah. aspirator. Exactly. That makes it sound like a three hundred dollar piece of equipment. Yep. Um, so you have those, and there's not a lot we can do about those. I mean, they're contract prices, right? So 
how, how what are we going to do to help our clients is to give them tools to go out and navigate all of this mm-hmm. and so um it's not a shop and chop you know it used to be shop and chop you can okay how, what do we want to we want to move our deductible up that'll make it 17 percent lower mm-hmm. do you are, and then consumer health care came along you know that came along pretty early in my in my tenure um but so much has changed. I feel like I, I work in a different industry than when I started, but it might have been because I didn't really know what I was doing when I started. Could be. Could I mean, be that. that. happens to all of but us. But then ACA happened, yeah. and that was crazy. Um, well, and so I mean, changes, though, do you think the changes are for the better? Do you think you, you get more excited about the things you can do nowadays? or? Um, I, I, can, I can get mixed. I get mixed. Okay. So it depends on what the subject is. I, I don't – I mean, well, What's worse? What's worse nowadays, in your opinion? Um, I really, it's really hard to, to sit with a CFO or an owner even of a company and say, you can't charge more than this. I know this is your company, but you don't call the shots in this area. Well, these are entrepreneurs. (laughs) And so, and then if it's a CFO, they're the ones controlling the money. And so it is really hard to say, this is, this is a type of plan you have to have. This is how much you are able to charge no more. Mm -hmm. And um, those have been hard conversations. I don't love that. I think it takes away from the entrepreneurship of them running their own company. So just the I understand that. Aspect? Uh, I think yeah. so. Okay. That's been hard. Okay. Um, and then there's been good things. I mean, I think like the new No Surprises Act. I think that's going to be that's going to be good, and we don't get the surprise calls from the anesthesiologist. Or I'm sure there's some things buried in there I haven't read yet. But um, well, if it goes through, that could help. That's the big. It could, yeah. Yes, and I've already they've already tabled some of it. Yeah, they've already postponed some of it. That's that's the frustrating part is because like I think universally people are um, inclined to want more transparency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want to uh, remove some of the uh, um, opaqueness or the mm-hmm. surprise nature of some of these bills. Like most people are on board. It's hard to argue against that. But then there's that idealistic, yeah, we're going to do it. And then in practicality, they get kind of stripped and neutered to a degree mm-hmm. where they're not as, um, I don't know, they didn't fix most of the problems. Is right? that the case, though, most of the time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to control the cost over here, but we're not going to get to the root of the problem, which no, is what's being billed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's symptoms, right? You treat the yes, symptoms, you don't treat the, the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think... And our industry is obviously uh, famous for that. And mm-hmm. that's what's so frustrating with a piece of legislation like that. You get excited mm-hmm. what that could mean, but then you also know the reality of that is most of it is going to be stripped out before yeah. it ever comes to fruition. So, Which it already is being. Yeah, that's it what I'm saying. Is. It's like, yeah. well, like, it's hard to get too excited about it. Yeah. Um, and as frustrating as that sounds. But what about, you know, kind of, you know, from the self-funded space, you see in smaller groups self-funded? Yeah, I, well, so you know I called you about one. Yeah, uh, yeah, we were talking <laughs> captives, right? So that was Well, fun. so we were talking captives, but the initial conversation was a level-funded group. Yeah, yeah. And so those guys file as self-funded. You know, they can have the cost sharing at the end. Mm-hmm. So those are smaller groups. I think the one I called you on was maybe 150 employees. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, I think, I think it is coming downstream. And I think you can self-fund. Uh, you just have to know what your cash flow is. You have to process it appropriately. You have to get your spec to where you can, you, okay, I can absorb this. Yeah. And so to me, I would prefer if I were a business owner to be self-funded and pay admin and my claims because fully insured plans are profitable. Okay. I'm going to just keep that. They're making money. They're making really? lots of money. My and so I, I think... Uh, yes, I, I think it is, and I think mine are too. I think mine are coming downstream. 
Well, and so I, 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 I agree with you. I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. I see very, very small groups, uh, mm-hmm. potentially level funding or self-funding. It excites me. It makes me a little nervous. You know, I hope the, uh, the advisors know what they're doing mm-hmm. in that, that space because it sounds great and sexy and exciting to self-fund a 25-life group, but I hope the reality matches that, uh, the perception there. And I uh, hope the cash flow matches oh, yeah. the reality yeah, and, and, I hope they're and really the appetite. It yeah. takes a certain personality. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know if I advocate for or against something like that. Again, just as long as the advisor knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and has a really good uh, kind of picture of the risk profile of that group, the risk appetite of that employer mm-hmm. as well, and the cash flow, like you mentioned earlier, that's the big, the big if. Are they going to yeah. be appropriately funded? Yeah. For, and can they manage the catastrophic nature of that? So, what about innovation side though? So we're you're talking about having access a new sort of neutral way to vet different vendors and platforms and things like that. What type of innovations are getting you kind of excited? Um, to help you do your job? Well, um, there's this company, I don't know if you've heard of it, called PlanSot. It's really, oh. it's really up and coming on the edge Tell to help more. our, <laughs> to help our employees. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think um, if you don't stay engaged, which is why we have our vendor spotlight, if yeah. you don't stay engaged, you're going to get left behind because it's coming at us so quickly. Mm-hmm. How many companies are popping up every week that maybe do the same thing as a company you use, but they're a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. So, well, um, I, I'm going to ask you from that perspective, right? What's it like? Because your your job is to um, you know vet these things or make sense of them, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they're coming at you all the time. All the like, time. Is it very difficult to one set aside time to to vet? Uh, you uh, have to. But then also, like, how do you really separate you know, you know the story you're being told mm-hmm. from the reality of the actual solution? Is that challenging at times to figure it, that out? It is. However, I think with years, just years of experience, you know the questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And so lots of times you might see through, okay, well, maybe this isn't going to be as effective because of this, a question that I ask. So I do think when I when I do take time to meet with a vendor, I ask lots and lots of questions. And, and I think from a client perspective, it is exhausting, um, just the medical piece alone. I mean, mm-hmm. that is part, that is... That is a huge part of our job and how are we going to control claims. We can't control what's being spent. But when a client asks for a tool, you have to say, okay, is this a culture tool? Are you want to give something fun to your employees? Yeah. Or are you wanting to have a tool that, will sh- that, that you can show ROI? Like what are your goals? Yeah. <laughs> and so if it's a fun tool, well, there are tons of those. There's a new company that you can, um, they can put ca- cash in which translates to tokens and they can go spend their tokens and they can, they can, there's 120 um, companies that have been contracted with this one company where you can pay your tokens, Spotify, um, care.com. I mean, there's tons of company. Yeah. So is that what you, are you wanting to create like a good culture within your company? And that's something you're wanting to thank your employees or you want an advocacy yeah. To well, what's is the ROI important or is the feel good component of it the most? That's important exactly thing, what right? I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you just went. Yeah, I went all the way around the bar and you just went right in the door. I, I my, I, I'm my curse of being an analyst. At the end of the day, I try to just like distill something down to the simple <laughs> as possible. But so like as you're vetting these things, right? I mean, I know you're obviously the you're you're responsible for mm-hmm. the blocking and tackling, and then ultimately, if it does get executed um, with a client, you know, they're going to come to you if something goes wrong, right? Sure. Or they're going to look to you to go fix this because sure. you told us one thing. And it, so how, you know, what is it like as a new vendor or listening to new vendors? Cause I'm always curious, you know, I get, you mentioned asking questions that, let me start there. You mentioned, you know, what questions to ask. I get a little nervous. If I get really far down the path with a prospect, 
and they haven't asked any of the really serious questions. They're super excited what I'm showing them, but I'm like, do you know exactly what we're doing? Like, am I missing? Like, I don't, I feel if there's not enough questions being asked and challenging questions, they might not fully comprehend what we do. And I think that may eventually set you up for the expectations. Yeah, the expectations not, are yeah. way too high. Um, and it also sets you up for failure because you didn't ask the questions that you should have up front. Mm -hmm. And then we get to the point where it's, um, something's actually happening and you maybe would have asked that beforehand. So I'm curious from your seat, right, mm -hmm. as the one that's vetting, you know, how do you go through that analysis to ultimately come to uh, the conclusion that this is a good fit? Well, so the carriers that we use or the vendors that we use have already been vetted yeah, yep. through, through, and I think that's one of the perks of being at a company like Epic or yeah. any of the any of the larger firms. They have a team that vet all of our carriers. So I think the vetting has already been done, but if it's something that's new that we're going to implement, I, I like to have a call with a client and the vendor. Together, that's good. Together. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's lay it all out. What questions do you have? Here's some thoughts I have. And then, obviously, I can bring recommendations to the table, but they're the ultimate decision maker. And so, haven't really had anything go crazy wrong. That's good. Knock on wood. I don't know right? how. Knock yeah, wood, yeah, right. Knock on wood, for <laughs> sure. Has, has the, yeah, the, the last 18 months or so been challenging for you? I know you started Epic during this whole pandemic thing. So, like, what is different today for you selling? Like, I'm curious to hear... Well, I had process. a baby. Had a baby, yes. I had a baby. By the way, congratulations. We thank didn't you. Touch on and that. you too. Yes, yes. We have a baby you. a month very, apart. Very close in, in yeah. age, yeah. We had a baby month apart, and we're the same age. I know. It's weird. We're old parents. We're old. You know, yeah. we might be going to high school graduation, maybe not a wheelchair, but a walker. I hope not. Oh, my God. I've been like, I've been falling asleep. <laughs> no, kids have kids. I mean, kids are born later and later. I know, I know, but I do worry about that, like keeping my knees healthy and my back healthy, you know. Started standing at work just to make sure yeah. I'm not slouched too I go, often. I go to my daughter who's 13. I yeah. go to her, her classroom stuff and I'm like, yep. I'm right in line here. Yeah. Then I go down the hall to the 13 month old and I'm like, yep, I'm a granny. You're a grandma. <laughs> God, don't make me feel old, but I, so, I feel I understand what you're saying. And my wife's a couple years younger than me, but we are a little bit on the older side, I it's guess. It's good wisdom. It's wisdom. Um, I feel oh. like we set kind of set ourselves up right, like financially and things like that. But there's a part of me that envies the person that is almost like their kids are in junior high and they're my age and they're about to be empty nesters yeah. in their 40s. I'm like, oh, that would be so amazing. Yeah. Not in the cards mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Us either. So, so you said okay. like we detected, we glossed okay. over this 13 Sorry. years and 13 months, though. Yeah. I want to. So you have 13 years, 13, 13 year old daughter, 13 month old son. Mm -hmm. What names? I, I didn't ask you. Um, Braylon. Braylon. Braylon Janice. Braylon Janice. And Beckham Teal. And Beckham Teal. Yeah. Is Beckham going to be a soccer player? I don't Beckham? know. You know, people ask that. It yeah. was, he was not named after the soccer player. We just really liked Beckham. I didn't know if that was a family name then or something. Okay, cool. Is Janice a family name by the, by the Yes. Way? My, okay. my grandmother lost a bet, and so she had to name my mom Janice. So your mom is Janice She's Sharon well. Janice. And she said, I don't like that name. I'm going to name her middle name Janice. Okay. And then I got the first name. That's so then my daughter got the So a lost bet is irresponsible for three yes. generations of Janice's. Correct. That's, and do you think your daughter will ultimately carry on the family Janice? She's name? very unpredictable. She is? Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, 13-year-old yeah. usually are, right? Um, but so, just, so back to yeah, the kind of the, the selling and COVID. I'm just curious because I had to adapt. Mm -hmm. Everybody has had to adapt. Has it been fruitful for you? Has it been harder? Have you adapted well? I'd like to hear just I your think, experience. I think it's been good. I mean, I started over. Yeah. And I had some clients that came with me, but for the most part, I started over and um, it's been it's been different, but I don't think it's been extremely challenging. I mean, I think you just take what, what you're given and you make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I think I've had a very good first year at Epic, and um, it's different, but it's still cold, still cold calling, which. So what? Yeah, what's your approach then? I'm curious. Are you okay? You so so talk about innovation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen Bomb Bomb or yes. something like Bomb Bomb? I, I, I downloaded Bomb Bomb and used their like fourteen day the trial. trial. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I did the fourteen day trial and never used it. You never used it. No, okay. so I'm gonna have to now pay for it. I thought you were gonna be the like I used it and I've gotten five clients. Oh no. Okay, okay. No, I did. I did. I, I wasted my 14 day yeah, trial. Yeah. So I think it's a cool tool, but I think more people will start doing it. But it does. I mean, if 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 I were trying to reach you and I was like, Hey, Spencer, it's Janice. It's so different than it just being like, Good afternoon. I'm you know. And um, well, that it adds, a, it adds the personal element, which is does. the thing that has been removed. And we get fortunately get to sit down and do this. But it, uh, an email, I don't know who the person is behind that. Even Ain't a call, you get a that. voice. Um, people, I don't feel like people respond to that mm -hmm. stuff anymore. So, so you didn't use Bomb Bomb, but so what bomb have you been successful I with? I think Bomb Bomb's going to be great. Okay. Okay. I'm predicting. Okay. And then um, I, this is so simple, but just connecting your calendar to your emails. Mm-hmm. So they can click on it and just make an appointment. Now I have done that. I don't because okay. our system is just too too tied up. Okay. Um, they wouldn't let me use Calendly, Not which is what I. Re no, it's too secure. Like okay. they wouldn't put it on our our email, but they do have bookings. Okay. So I. I'm using that right now. Well, do and you it's use, good. Do you use LinkedIn? Like, did you know LinkedIn has a, a video feature that you can send a message? A so, video? so I was going to upload Bomb Bomb through LinkedIn. Okay. But. Well, I like it. Uh, I, again, I did the trial, but I just didn't stick with it. But mm -hmm. the fact that you can send a video and then it's got a repository and you mm -hmm. can see if they watched it and liked it and commented. I mean, those that's pretty cool. I guess I was also you know, kind of the same question I asked earlier as somebody vetting a vendor. Would I want to receive a video from a stranger? I don't know. Like it tailored to well, me. Well, I like, did. And it, and I and I fell for it. You did. OK. Yeah. And yeah, I had a 30 in. minute call and it was fun. I mean, now I'm friends with with the guy. So. But I think I think I think you're right, right? Once you know, I do video content all the time, but it's one step removed from it actually being delivered mm -hmm. to a person, right? An individual. Uh, but I think you're right, right? It's like you tailor something to that person so they know it's not spam. You know, you probably investigated or did some sort of research. You know mm -hmm. who they are or what they do or where you might fit, and then you create a video that doesn't have to be this r ridiculous production value. Mm -hmm. It's just shoot a video on your phone. There's something to it, right? But I think there's still. I think it's still early, an early adoption phase, if I were it to is. guess. I've told some people about it. I don't know if they ultimately used it much or not, but I could see it working. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly could see it working. Um, I'll let else? you know. I'll yeah, report please. back on it as let, soon as I start. You, as yeah, soon yeah. as I start. Well, my, my trial's up. Uh, well, yeah, what's it like? <laughs> it's 25 cheap. bucks a month it's or cheap. something? Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. Like, the idea is cool. And I don't think yeah. the idea of content to access potential prospects, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. I think a, I think a prospect they have to be open and and needing help. Yes. I don't I mean I don't know if you can contact them via email and they're needing help and they're looking for someone to come help them, which is I'm not I don't consider myself in sales. I mean, I I think going back to the chemistry, the whole chemistry thing is I'm such a numbers person. I'm a problem solver. I can't spell cat, but I can pull part a plan. <laughs> and so we had an ag hit this year on one of my clients, and we got a 5% increase oh, because wow. we took time, and I did work with our national underwriter, but we took time to pull the plan apart and work through all the large claims. And, you know, it's knowing what to ask. We're on top of that. We get a technology credit on top of that. And so to me, I'm a problem solver, and I work for my clients. I don't work for the insurance companies. And you just have to find a client that needs help. 
Yeah. And if I email them and they need help I f- and they actually read it, they're going to respond. Yeah. So I'm just praying that let this be the one that needs help. The most beautifully drafted email right. in the world, right? Like it's, I get those sometimes too. And you're like, I can tell in the first sentence that this is a, like a, a spammy or a canned, you know, yes. or, you know, you're like, oh, it's so off-putting. So I hope I don't do that. I hope my emails yeah. don't read that that way. Um, but yeah, I know we got to get you on the road. We've almost an hour. You believe That's it or crazy. not, like it's crazy. It goes by we, fast. Did we get, did we talk about everything? Almost. The only thing I was going to ask you is kind of your, your uh, vision of the future of our industry. I'd like oh. to hear. Um, well, we've got to get, we've got to get claims under control. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. How are we gonna? How, how are, are we, we gonna, gonna do, do the trend at nine percent every year, six percent, nine percent? I don't know how we do that on such a large number that keeps getting bigger. Yeah. Um. So if we could fix that, and I think if we could be different consumers, you know, I think I've talked about this, but the advocacy piece. Yeah. Teach our employees how to use insurance. How do you, how do you get because that's a common? I, I say that's a that is a common solution, and I think it's mm-hmm. a good solution. Incentivize. Like, how do you I get mean, them to? Because insurance is complicated. It's insurance, complicated. The jargon and all this stuff. And so, the person that sees it once or twice a year, how do you engage them at a level that you can change their behavior to make better decisions? I think you come up with creative ways to engage navigators. Okay. I mean, whether it be a program you pay for, there is ROI that can be proven through those. You know, I sent them to this clinic and the MRI was. $700 cheaper than this clinic, yeah. you know? So I do feel like there are hard dollars out there that can be saved, but I, it is hard to engage them. It's hard to get them to actually use it, the, use the product unless they're skin in the game for them. Okay. So if you can incentivize them in some way and then also let them know, educate them, you know, you if, if, you, cho- if you choose right, you're gonna save in your out of pocket mm-hmm. plus be incentivized. That's gonna help control claims. I mean, I've, I don't know what the future is. It's right now, I mean, it is, well, it's fourth quarter, so we're all exhausted. Yeah, the future is everybody's tired. and Everyone is tired right yeah. now, yeah. And, and it's constant negotiations with carriers right now trying to get <laughs> the most and the best for the client. And so, um, well, I don't I know. Like, I don't know how long you sustain that. I, I don't either. I mean, I, I was lamenting to a, a, an agent yesterday. I was like, part of me wants to be in a totally different industry because I'm always thinking six to nine months ahead. You know, like you, mm-hmm. you're you in April and you're thinking about 1122 oh, sure. or 1123. And you're like, you're always, you even forget what month it actually is because you're always focused on that fourth quarter. That's and it's right. like, now it feels like it's longer and longer. And I actually asked him, I was like, when do you slow down? And he kind of, he laughed. He's like, I don't. Like, we don't. Well, I think you had asked earlier what's different. Yeah. I think when I first started, there was a true fourth quarter. Okay. And then March, things calmed down after after we got everyone renewed. Mm-hmm. We audited bills to make sure all the enrollments were correct because there was a lot of paper back then. Yeah. Um, but it never stops now. Like it's always fourth quarter. Well, I think that maybe the speed of everything mm-hmm. means that there and isn't compliance. downtime compliance. And then you're the strategy, like if you're looking three to five years mm-hmm. out, the strategy means you're always mm-hmm. thinking ahead. You're of watching the claims yeah. all year Yeah. to come up with this. And last year, I don't think, I don't think I had one client that had an increase. I don't think I had one client you this year. Single client that I don't think I did. And then this year I have had all of my clients has, have had a, um, single digit increase okay well we worked hard to get there but you have to pull it apart you have to understand the plans i mean you know when i called you how frustrated i was yeah i could tell (laughs) i was so frustrated because they don't bill the clients correctly and they don't build the plans correctly and so you have to be able to know you have to take your knowledge to them and just say 
this is where you're missing it and this is what we need. Well, so I always felt like if you lay out the underwriting to me and I can understand how you arrived at a certain number and you can justify it from claims experience, or even if you tell me mm-hmm. overall our block is running worse and so in aggregate we need to get to X because of this, mm-hmm. I can at least still understand that. But if there is no explanation mm-hmm. or it's a completely off the wall renewal when the actual client's experience was very favorable, then I'm going, yeah, what you are got you a, doing here? Right. Like, you got you, a yeah. 80% loss ratio with a 25% increase. Yeah. Not today. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> Not <gone>. today. <laughs> so that's fourth quarter right now. Yeah. And it's, I know. And it's, we're, we're obviously drinking from a fire hose. Mm-hmm. So last question, okay. you know, kind of wrap it up. We could talk crypto, we can talk choir, but you know, what, are, what would you like to leave the folks uh, with that uh, kind of a point of emphasis or something to, to chew on here? Oh, I wasn't ready for this one. I don't know what well, kind of right. should, what kind of I wisdom. Buy, should I buy Shiba Inu anymore? Uh, the Shiba. What's we that? didn't buy any of that. I had I had like a hundred. When bucks. did you buy it? Like a week ago, oh. and it's already up a hundred percent. Should have bought I, it. I, what was it? Two years ago, it's gone up. Oh my God! It's probably it's astronomical. Okay, so my husband gave me the stats last night. If you bought two hundred dollars worth, okay, I'm probably saying this yeah. wrong. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's millions. It's worth millions yeah. now. So that's when you cash out, probably. I don't know anything about that. I don't that either. coin or or no, token. It's, it's the Doge killer, right? It's the one that the was Doge. Like in so yeah. we couldn't do the Doge. Yeah. I can't do the Doge. It's, part of me is like, man, I'm just throwing money away. But it's like, well, if it's a hundred bucks, it could turn into ten thousand bucks if you just forget about it for a couple of years. That's probably justifiable, right? But my thing is like, I want to keep looking at it. Oh, it's up hundred percent. Oh, should I sell? No, I'll wait. And then you just. You get too close to mm-hmm. it, you need to kind of step back. Well, we bought it and didn't look at it for probably five years. That's super so, smart. Super so, smart. But now it's been volatile, and okay. we took a huge dip at the beginning of this year. Well, if I ever huge. see, like, you know, the Janice early retirement, you know what, like she's taking a step back, I'll know what happened. I was like, that crypto kind of finally No, I'm just going to let it grow. It I'm just going to keep letting it grow. Yeah, keep like well. That's the smart thing. What's the the H O the hodl? Hold on for dear life. Yes, like that's it. Forever. Hodl. That's a term. You know, you talk about yeah. insurance jargon. Well, I'm getting into the crypto jargon, hodling or whatever you. We're hodling. We're hodling all day. So, well, that's a that's a good place to stop. We're just yeah. hodling all day long. So, Janice, really appreciate you, you joining me. It was fun. It was I, fun. I, fun to get to know you. Like yeah. to get to learn cool things about you. So I appreciate your time, uh, dedicating your expertise here, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks. Bye.